Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all that interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection, and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. In fact, my daughter's wedding was just in Italy, and I took a bike ride with my son-in-law through Tuscany. Wow. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. G'day everyone, Lauren Crest, the business scientist here. Welcome to our final Monday mindset for the year on the Grow Your Brand podcast. Can't wait to get stuck into it. Just before we begin today's podcast, in the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders living and working on the land. So if you haven't had a chance to check out Friday's episode, this podcast is part two of that episode. We're talking about how to deal with negative comments, but this time I want to talk about ourselves. So in the last episode, we focused on like, what can you say? When should you respond? What should you, ha- how can you handle negative feedback, negative criticism? When is it an opportunity for us to grow and think about how we behave differently in terms of the actions that our brand does? And when is it sort of just stuff that you just go, this is just a troll and I just need to report and block and delete this. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back And listen to that before starting today's episode, because in today's episode, what we're going to talk about is dealing with how we perceive ourselves in relation to negativity and also how we sort of can continue to be authentic and vulnerable and show up as ourselves whilst dealing with negative comments that are inevitable. They're inevitable when we're actually showing up to lead and to serve in an authentic way. It will happen. Uh, A couple of housekeeping things. So I did say on Friday that moving forward after this Monday episode, essentially we're just going to be having, we're just going to be having, (laughs) look, I think it's pretty valuable. I'm going to be sharing a uh, interview with you once a week on Wednesdays throughout the holiday period. I said I was going to do it as a new season, but I've decided to not do that. What we're going to do instead is it's going to be the final sort of part of season four. And then when I come back in February to kick everything off again, once I'm sort of settled in, half settled in, in Queensland, uh, I didn't want to leave it past February. So I was just like, I'll just start at the beginning of February and we'll start getting back into our normal sort of rhythm. Um, I really hope you have an awesome time off and I hope the interviews that I share during the time off will be useful to you. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is just about sort of like a big thank you to everyone who's been helping me to grow this show. And uh, for new listeners, for people who are relatively new to the podcast, what you can do to be a part of this community and help to continue to grow this show. So really, really appreciate everyone who has donated money via Kofi um, as sort of our patrons of the show. Uh, and also I know there's people who are sharing this on social media, who are talking to their friends about it, sharing a message. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you to everyone who has rated the show and reviewed the show. It makes a huge difference. And if you haven't had a chance to do that yet, 
please just take a moment, even if it's just the the star rating. Like if you're kind of like, I don't know what to say in a review. I know sometimes people are just like, that feels like too much of a hassle. I get it. You can just click the five star rating. Um, so if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, text two seconds, you just literally, I mean, you know, you might want to give it four stars, but I'm hoping you'd want to give it five stars <laughs> or maybe you want to give it one star, but uh, hopefully not. <laughs> if you like it, <laughs> please consider giving it a five star rating. Uh, you literally just tap five stars and that's it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything else. Uh, if you're on other platforms, I'm not sure what the deal is with ratings on other platforms. I know most people are listening to this at the moment through Apple Podcasts, uh, but just take a moment to have a look. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash grow your brand and rate the show from there. And it gives you a few different options for where you can go and rate and review the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone this year. The podcast has grown exponentially. It has grown so much, especially in the last few months. I was just looking at the numbers and I was like, we just had our biggest download week this week. So really, really exciting. I'm really excited to see that continue into 2021. Before we get on to uh, the main part of the show, there might just be a quick ad break here and I'll be back in a tick. Don't waste the summer months staring at a screen trying to figure out who accepts your vision insurance. Pearl Vision works with all major vision plans, including iMed. Plus, when you bring in the receipt from your last eye exam, they'll apply up to $150 towards a new pair of glasses. Visit pearlvision.com to find your neighborhood eye care center today. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 10-31-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision. Okay, guys, so we're talking about how to deal with how we feel about negative comments, negative feedback, what happens to us. So I want to start off by just talking about what do you feel? Like just asking that question, what do you feel? What goes on for you when you read something that's negative? What happens in your body? What do you experience? So for me, a couple of things that I noticed, and I did touch on this in part one, is that I, if it's something, if I get negative criticism or negative feedback about something that I'm like, and this happened more in my twenties where I was like, oh yeah, you know what? That's kind of a fair point. And I actually did kind of know better and I probably should have just put it, not been so lazy and put a bit more effort into doing this, etc. I would feel guilty and I would feel sort of almost a bit fearful, like I would almost catastrophize a little bit like, oh no, if that person said that, how many other people have thought about this? And then what do people think about me? And then that would lead to feelings of shame. So sort of shame, fear, and guilt were the feelings that I experienced when I had negative comments around something that I was like, I don't know if I really stand by my actions. I I think I shouldn't have done that. So I want to talk about what each of these kinds of feelings are a little bit more. Let's dig into like, what does that actually mean? And then uh, start to break that down a little bit more. The, The thing that I noticed that I felt when I just got a negative comment about something that I stood for, when I was like, no, 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 I, I back myself here. I didn't really feel any of those things, maybe a bit of fear, maybe a bit of fear, but Not really. It would be kind of more like, if anything, a sense of um, almost like a little bit of pride. Like, oh, I've said something, I've stood up for something 
and someone's responded to that negatively. And I kind of actually, in a weird way, felt a bit good about it. So, you know, and I, again, I kind of alluded to this on part one, but I think so much of the negative criticism that we get depends on how it's framed and where it's come from and what it's criticizing. So let's talk about this shame, guilt, fear feeling. So, and oh, also just quickly, a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about uh, comes from one of my favorite books, Rising Strong by Brene Brown. I haven't read it for a while. I'm not doing this as like going back to the book and, and quoting Brene Brown, but it got me thinking. I remember when I read it, it got me thinking about a lot of these things because in Rising Strong, what Brene Brown, sort of the premise of the book, it's her third book. It's about sort of when we stand up to lead, when we stand up to actually do something and say something, we're bound to get attacked, we're bound to get criticised, we're, we're being vulnerable but in a, in a way that Brene Brown talks about and anyone who's a Brene Brown fan kind of knows, it's not about sort of like when people think of vulnerability, they think of like weakness. This is like not not in that sense. This is about openness, about showing up as yourself and, and not hiding behind a mask. So when you do that, and like I was saying on Friday, you can get hit really hard when you get those negative comments because you're kind of like, I was showing up as myself and now I'm getting criticized for that. And Brene Brown does quite a lot of work in like shame and she does work in um, sort of understanding shame and vulnerability and also guilt and how these different things fit together. And I was just reading a blog post that she had written about sort of like it's important for us to find that difference between shame and guilt, but she didn't actually define it in this blog post. So I went around and had a look at what other people were kind of saying about the difference um, between these two. And Psychology Today had written an article about it and I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So they were basically saying like shame is that sense of like how you relate to yourself. So feeling like, oh, I just did something really ridiculous. Like I am a ridiculous person you know, I am someone who does this, like how, like, so it's how we feel about ourselves and our relationship with ourselves. where guilt is more sort of about, okay, I feel bad about my actions affecting others. So uh, the example they use in this article was like, you go to a dinner party and at the dinner party, you say something that's a bit cruel to someone and you kind of know, you know, it's cruel. Um, And the next day you experience this sense of like remorse for your actions, right? That's the guilt. The guilt is sort of like, oh, like I really hurt that other person at the dinner table when I did that and they looked really hurt by it. Don't feel great about that. I better go and apologize. That's guilt. But we may also at the same time experience shame because we're kind of going, wow, am I really that person who does that? I do the thing where like I, you know, and everyone else looked around at, at the table at me like I'm this horrible person. Am I that horrible person? Yeah, I'm that horrible person. So shame is a lot more about the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. So it's not so much about, oh, I feel remorseful. I better apologize. It's more about like, oh, I'm this, I'm this person that does that far out. Like, is that really who I am? You know, and you can almost feel it 
in your body. You can feel that difference between shame and guilt. If you, you kind of are practiced in doing that, in kind of picking up on how your body feels when you're feeling something, there's a difference in like when we feel guilt and when we feel shame. There's actually a physiological difference between those, those two things. Uh, and then the other thing I mentioned was fear. Now, fear, when I think about this from like a neuroscience perspective, I'm thinking about like the fight or flight response and fear kind of underlies a lot of stuff. It underlies because that's kind of how our brain operates. So fear is like a mechanism for us to survive. It's like going, something's wrong. You need to get out of this situation. And our fight or flight response is basically, it's actually fight, flight or freeze, but essentially it's a part of our brain called the hypothalamus kicks into gear when we think we're in danger, when we think we're under threat. It's also responsible for things like stress in our lives. So if we've done something and then we feel like we're going to be rejected by the group, in today's society, that's not necessarily something that's a life or death situation, thankfully. For, for many of us, that's not the case. For some of us, sadly, it still is. But for many of us, that is not the case. Being rejected by the group in today's society doesn't mean that your life is under threat. But evolutionarily speaking, if you got thrown out of a tribe, that would be really bad because the tribe is how you get everything done. It's all shared resources. How do you get food if you're not allowed to participate in activities with the tribe, if you can't go hunting together, if you can't access parts of the land because now you're not welcome there. So we've got this sort of innate drive to fit in, right? We've got this innate drive to be one of the people in the group who is accepted so that we can live. So when we get negative comments, when we get negative feedback, our brain is super wary of that because our brain is still the same brain that was around 50,000 years ago. So our brain goes, oh no, this is bad. Someone said something negative. I could be thrown out of the group. What does this mean? So we've, now we've got potentially our fight or flight responses being activated. We've got fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted, fear of not being good enough, then we might have guilt because maybe something we said actually offended someone or hurt someone and then we're like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to hurt anyone, didn't realise that that was going to do that, now what do I do? Or maybe you did mean to hurt someone (laughs) Uh, and then you feel guilty because you're like, oh, I knew I was doing that. And then you've got that shame feeling of like, oh, is this who I am? Is this what I'm like? So our brain also is constantly scanning the environment, looking for ways to avoid that stuff and to get more of the good stuff. So we're hyper alert about the negative stuff to the point where I was reading uh, yesterday that And I've read different numbers and figures on this, but for positive feedback to counter negative feedback, it needs to be there threefold. 
So for every one negative comment, we need three positive comments. When I read that, I was like, no, I think it's more. And I've read numbers that say it's even more. I've read that it's like, it can be 20 times. So I don't know if it varies between individuals and it varies between the different ways that you can receive that negative criticism. But you think about it, if you had one for one, if you have one person say something bad and one person say something good, essentially you would think what you had done was not good. If you had two people saying it was good and one person saying it was not good, you'd still probably think that what you said wasn't good. And then only if you've got three people going, this is awesome, and then you've got one person saying, no, this isn't good, then apparently it starts to balance out. But look, I can tell you from personal experience that I can have thousands of likes on something and hundreds of positive comments and one negative comment and one negative like dislike (laughs) can still affect me. So uh, yeah, I'm doubtful about the threefold. I, I actually think from personal experience, it's a lot more. I'd be curious, like ask yourself, like how do you weigh these different things up? So our brain is constantly going, okay, I want to get away from the pain. I want to get away from those negative comments. I want to avoid those things. Those things are bad. I want to move towards all the positive stuff, all the good stuff. And again, evolutionary speaking makes sense. We don't want to do the painful stuff because if we do the painful stuff, we might die. But we want all this positive stuff because we're like, oh, yeah, th- that f- that feels good. That's rewarding. That's like giving me pleasure. It's actually activating the pleasure centers in my brain. My brain loves that. And this is how we can end up addicted to things because our brain loves that stuff. Yes, activate the pleasure centers more. We can get addicted to all sorts of things, not just the typical things because people talk a lot about things like gambling and they'll talk about like drinking and smoking and drug taking. But anything that's activating that pleasure center can become addictive. Just depends what happens with the wiring. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting actually. So our brain isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's, there's issues with it. It creates issues for us when it comes to dealing with this negative criticism. So the thing that Brene Brown talks about is about sort of looking at the stories that you're telling yourself to combat this sort of shame spiral that we can end up being in. I've talked about this on the show before, but if you're kind of telling yourself all these stories about my work shit because I got a negative review, my stuff shit because I got a negative comment, I I am a terrible person because someone didn't like what I said. If we're telling ourselves, oh, everyone's everyone thinks I'm a horrible person, right? Uh, what we can end up doing is sort of seeing that pain of like the negative comment as like, I must avoid this. I need to move away from this. I need to distance myself from this. I need to not do this. And so then what we do is, I've mentioned this before, we can avoid it. I really didn't like the way that felt. I really didn't like how I felt afterwards. I'm just not going to do this anymore. And if I don't do this anymore, then I'm not going to experience any of those painful things. So when you get that negative comment on a video, it's like, I'm not going to put another video out. When you get the negative comment on a piece, uh, on an article you wrote, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again because that was really horrible. And what I think we need to be careful of as entrepreneurs is that we 
we don't fall into that trap because as entrepreneurs, we do need to be growing our brand and we also need to be growing as a person. We need to be leaning into how do I show up? How do I be more authentic? How do I, these negative comments are inevitable. How do I not see this as a bad pain? So I wrote down in my notes here, it's like, I almost think of it as in like good pain versus bad pain. And I was thinking about this in relation to physical pain. So when you're doing things like training in the army, and I'm not saying that I've experienced this firsthand or anything like that, but essentially when you're, when you're training to deal with pain, what they, what they get you to do is sort of understand what pain is dangerous and what pain isn't dangerous. So when you know that you can, your brain sort of goes, I can switch this pain, this feeling of experiencing this pain off. So for instance, if you're in a fight and someone pulls a knife, right? The thing you have to really worry about physically is people getting near your vital organs. Because if people get near your vital organs, either from the back or the front in the, in the core, you're in trouble. You're in real, real trouble. But if someone cuts your uh, forearm, if someone cuts your shin, you know, and it's a shallow sort of flesh wound, that's actually, you can continue. That's not life-threatening, right? Uh, you can continue to fight. And if you uh, succumb to that pain of that shallow flesh wound, then you're in danger because you're not you're not actually fighting uh, and prote- you're not actually protecting the things you need to protect. Just want to say I'm not a self defense expert. I'm not trying to give self defense advice. I'm just trying to create an analogy because this one makes sense in my head. So <laughs> like I need to put that disclaimer in. So okay, I don't want my my vitals. Um, I don't want my vitals injured. They've actually done tests where they look at people like before and after they have this knowledge. So, you know, they, they don't actually knife them. They use like a, like a sort of like an electric shock kind of uh, thing that feels a bit like a cut. Right. And, and it's painful. And they'll tell people like before, before they'll just sort of attack, attack and show you how it feels. And it's like everything is super painful, right? And you're like, stop it, stop it. Like, this is really painful. Everywhere that you're doing this, it hurts. And they go, look, don't worry about the pain on your arms. Don't worry about the pain in your legs. That's okay. That's the matter. What you want to make sure is that I'm not getting anywhere near your core. I'm not getting anywhere near your vital organs. And then they do it again. And the second time people report experiencing a lot less pain on those peripherals, on the forearms and on the legs, because now their brain has been told, don't worry about that pain. It's not dangerous to you. And I want to kind of take that into when we think about negative comments. When we look at negative comments, what we need to understand is this is not necessarily bad pain. This might be good pain. This might be good pain because it can teach us something. This might be good pain because it's going to help us show up better next time. And then you've also got the other stuff that you just can completely disregard and not even give a second uh, a second sort of attention to. And I, again, talked about this a bit in part one. So in part one, I was saying, like, if it's a con- if it's constructive criticism or if it's a negative comment because it's like, you know what, like, you did actually make a mistake and it did hurt some people. If you see it as in like, this is, this is okay. This is not bad pain. This is fine. This is safe. 
I can handle this. What I need to do is I need to take steps to deal with this in, a, in an adult way. I don't need to avoid this. I need to lean into it. Okay, let me go and write to this person and see what's going on. I actually heard a really, really great example of someone doing this the other day. So I listened to this podcast on Stuff Your Mum Never Told You, and it was a two-part episode on bisexuality. And the reason the podcast episode had uh, been created was partly because they'd done another episode and one of the hosts had said something, and I don't actually know, they didn't talk about on this podcast exactly what she had said, but she had said something that got people's backs up massively and they got inundated. I think it was around the way that she had defined bisexuality. So it was something like had defined it as being attracted to either a cis man or a cis woman instead of it being bisexuality as being attracted to, to more than one sex. Um, so she kind of started off the podcast apologizing and going, I did not mean for this to upset people. I, you know, I've been receiving all these emails and what we decided to do was go back to some of these people and go, okay, let's have a conversation about this. Let me understand this at a deeper level. And it was an amazing show. It was so, so good. Probably I reckon the best podcast, two-part podcast series I've listened to this whole year. Um, but this, it's, it came from owning up to this mistake. It came from owning up to, geez, yeah, like, I actually have just hurt a bunch of people. I need to do something about it. So think about that for your brand, for your business and for yourself. Where are there times, and I know it's hard because <laughs> I find this out myself, and I go through this and I'm like, oh, I just really, that person's stupid. That person didn't understand me. They took me out of context. And I'm like, hang on, no, sometimes, sometimes I need to listen to this stuff. Sometimes, like I've said, it's trolls. Don't worry about that. But it doesn't mean we need to go into a shame spiral. It doesn't mean we need to go, I'm a horrible person. I'm not good enough. That stuff that, so if someone starts name calling or, you know, being disrespectful to you as a result, then that's on them. That's that's their issue, right? But if someone's like upset by what you've said, it's like, okay, is like even if you're like, yes, I stand by this, maybe I need to contextualize this more. Maybe I need to say this in a different way. We're just about to come up to the 30-minute mark, but I do want to kind of come back to this stories we tell ourselves piece because I did mention this a while back. Um, it was in the episode about uh, dealing with the imposter syndrome. And I want to explain uh, sort of the exercise that Brene Brown talks about uh, in Rising Strong. And I highly recommend checking out the book as well. So basically, let's say you get a really negative comment, you get some negative feedback and you're kind of going far out. Like I feel really bad about myself now. Am I really that person? Suddenly I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I need to avoid this. I feel like I need to not do this. If you're spiraling down into that, and even, even if you're not, to be honest, if you just start, if you start saying stuff to yourself, like, yeah, I really didn't have a right to put that up or I really didn't have a right to tell that story or I really didn't have a right to do, etc. If you're doing that, write down 
what you're telling yourself. Get it out onto paper, get it out of your head because what can happen in our head is we can get into loops. So I used to do this a lot with catastrophizing. That was my issue. Like, oh no, like this person uh, didn't like what I said and now they're going to tell all these other people and then people are going to jump on the bandwagon and people are going to say, start saying all this horrible stuff and blah, 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 you know, and I catastrophize. And it's kind of the same thing. Write down the story that you're telling yourself. What's going on in your head? What are you worried about? Get it all out on paper. And Brene Brown calls it a shitty first draft, right? So she's like, just get it out all on paper. It doesn't matter. It could sound like a five-year-old wrote it. You know, you can put as much colorful language in as you want. Write it all down. What's going on in your head? And then you kind of stop and you go, okay, I've written that all down. I feel like I've gotten everything out. Walk away, go do something else you know, and depending how upset you are, how angry you are, you might want to leave it for a longer period or a shorter period of time. For me, when I'm kind of doing this stuff, I tend to do it more as like a conversation. So I won't necessarily write it down, but I'll be like talking to someone about that. And that works quite well for me as well. So you could always look at doing that. I mean, I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm just telling you what I've found works for dealing with negative comments. (laughs) Just want to, again, put that disclaimer in. I'm not giving uh, health advice here, but get it out, get it out of your brain. And then go have a cup of tea, go do whatever it is you want to do. Maybe do something to take care of yourself. Maybe if you like going swimming, go for a swim or a run or whatever. Come back to that shitty first draft and now you're looking at it with new eyes. Now you're looking at it with your sort of more adult self who's like, all right, what's what's the child in me saying? What's going on? What's Because the child in you is like, you know, that's kind of like the survival mode. Like it, you're bringing up all these like my darkest, deepest fears of like, survival am I going to survive and then you come back to it and you're like oh this is kind of funny now or maybe not funny maybe it's like oh I really feel for the person who wrote this they seem to be going through a hard time oh okay this is wow poor thing you know it could it could be you're coming at it from a lot of different angles but you're probably going to be more analytical you're going to have some more critical reasoning in the way that you're looking at this now And then have a think about, and you can even make notes about how to challenge that story. So in counseling, I've just started studying counseling. We talk about this in terms of reframing during a conversation. How do you help someone reframe the way they're thinking about something? So it's like you're looking at this piece of paper now and it's like you're a different person going, oh, okay, how would I help this person reframe? in a way that's compassionate and kind and loving and completely accepting and and massively empathetic. Well, I mean, probably actually compassion is a better word because we we are ourselves. So (laughs) So massively compassionate, self-compassionate and understanding of yourself with no judgment. Okay, I love this person who's written this down. What would I say to them? How would I help them deal with this situation and think about this situation in a different way? And that, for me, this idea of coming at things from this like, okay, Lauren, like you're a good person, you're doing your best, sometimes you fuck up, what's going on? Let's just have a little, let's just have a little conversation here. Let's, let's nut this out. So we've talked about sort of understanding what's going on when we get this negative comment, checking in with how do we actually feel? What's going on for us physically, physiologically? What are we feeling? 
then we talked a bit about sort of why this happens, sort of our survival our survival mechanisms, our fight or flight response, how this can be causing a lot of stress. And actually the other thing, like I mentioned on Friday, is this reduces productivity, right? So less productive, more stressful, this can really eat into our work. And then if we start avoiding things and we start going, oh, I don't want to do this because I really didn't like the shame that I felt. I felt all this shame. I didn't like the stories that I was telling myself in my head, when this was going on. And a lot of the time this is subconscious as well, right? It's not necessarily that you're hearing the story. It's sort of like it's all just a bit below the surface. There's a lot of negative stuff we can be telling ourselves that we don't even consciously realise we're, we're telling ourselves and we're, that we're saying. And then we talked a bit about understanding when this pain can be good, when it can lead to growth, when it can help us to be a better person and show up more authentically or show up in a way that appreciates different perspectives and and how this can be affecting other people. And we talked about how we need a lot of a lot more positivity than negativity for it to balance out. If we're looking for that external what do people think of me, we need a lot more of the positive than of the negative. And the point I didn't make but I I will kind of finish up making on that is that When we're seeking a lot of external recognition, when we're looking for those likes and we're looking for that kind of, that kind of is, that kind of is the other face of this same issue, right? Because it's like, if we're seeking, if we're looking for external validation to say, I am good enough, instead of it coming from within ourselves, then as soon as we get criticized, it's going to really hurt. And I'm saying this like firsthand experience that happens to me a lot. I think like for a lot of people who are extroverted, not to say it only happens with people who are extroverted, but I'm like pretty extremely extroverted. And so for me, it's like I'm constantly looking out outside of myself to get a sense of who I am. And that's really dangerous because if we're, if we don't have those boundaries to go, hang on, this person and these people are separate to me and whatever's going on for them is coming through and what they're saying about me, then we can get, then things can get pretty dark pretty quickly when someone does say something negative. So having that boundary to go, okay, this is on them, this is on me. And then when we, when we can see that opportunity to grow, that's about looking at what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Okay, how can I better support myself? How can I be more self-compassionate? So that's pretty much it for this final Monday mindset issue. I think the note I'd like to end on is to say that we can do this to other people as well. You know, what we say and how we say it does affect people's internal mental health, their internal version of themselves and even people with like really solid boundaries can get affected by the stuff that we say so we need to be responsible in the way that we act we need to be responsible in how we provide feedback I'm really grateful that like pretty much this whole year for everything that I've done I've found overwhelmingly people are super supportive and really kind and I really really appreciate that so Thank you so much for, again, to everyone who's been part of this journey with me this year. I will be back for more live podcasts in the new year. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the interviews that I share and the content that I create over the holiday 
season. Have a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah as well. I know that's just just kind of started. Uh, have a lovely new year. And I'll be back on Wednesday for the first in our series of Live with Leading Thinkers episodes over the holiday period. Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows so you can do this and this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.